Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives. Uh, we're talking about Avatar, the legend of the last retrospective, where we're going to talk about all the Avatar shows and media. It's really just the shows and the movie adaptation, yeah. not the comic books and stuff, but I hear they're pretty good. No, uh, yeah, I've never, you know what, I've never read the comic, um, which is odd considering how much I like the franchise. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm... I'm just at that point where, like, I'm done consuming, like, everything from a certain franchise. You know, like, I, mm. I burnt myself out. It's on me. It's not on Avatar. Avatar is pure and good. And Are you burnt out on all franchises or just specifically Last Airbender, Legend of Korra? Uh, no, no, no. I am not burnt out on these franchises. I'm burnt out on, like, the expanded universe concept, I okay. think. Because, um, yeah. like, you know, like, I still love Star Wars even though we were not happy with the recent entry uh, i still love the alien franchise even though we've talked about it to death like it, i have my my stuff and that that's all i need you know yeah some some franchises as as disappointing as they are i'm still into and then the other is the alien franchise <laughs> would you say you're still a predator fan though um I mean, I think I've just watched Predator enough times. And AVPR. Like yeah, I mean, that's actually one I want to read. It's like the weird, the two ones I want to watch again from both franchises are Alien 3 and AVPR. But I like the idea of watching any other entry in either franchise like just makes me like physically ill. <laughs> oh, also, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. That's Macaringo. Yes, I was about to say that. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. Um, we, we're not here to talk about those franchises. We're here to talk about Avatar The Last Airbender, of course. And uh, this season one version of the retrospective, we will be going over five episodes per recording for these. So last episode, we went over... I'm going to pull up the list right now because I thought it was open already. That's my bad. The, the first five, Boy in the Iceberg, Avatar Returns, Southern Air Temple... The Warriors of Kiyoshi and the King of Omashu. And today we're here to talk about Imprisoned, The Spirit World, Winter Solstice Part 1, Avatar Roku, Winter Solstice Part 2, The Waterbending Scroll, and Jet. And two of these episodes are again directed by Dave Filoni, who, you know, Star Wars, important stuff there. Uh, but Chapter 6, Imprisoned. Matt, what did you think about this episode? Well, I just hope everyone out there did their homework, because again, this is a show that you should be watching this is not something that's just like oh i like this podcast with these two idiots i'll listen it's on netflix watch it <laughs> oh I, and at I the time of say. recording really quick um the legend of Korra was just announced as also joining netflix in august of 2020 so hey now. 
yeah, if you're if you're you are keeping up with this podcast, make sure you keep up with Legend of Korra so you can keep up with us once we get there too. I think the funny thing was for the longest time the only Avatar related thing on there was the movie. Really? I think it was for a while. I'm not sure if it is anymore, but for a while that was like the one on there. And the the you know like Netflix plays clips automatically now, which is like the worst. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's so bad. They uh the clip they showed from it is like one of the most embarrassing clips from that movie. <laughs> but uh, and I believe it's like one of the things that was lifted from uh some of the episodes we're talking about today because it's a lot of like earth bending shit. But uh hold on before we go ahead speaking of netflix are they still doing the live action series avatar just a heads up from future editing diego matt and i were obviously pre-recording these episodes prior to the last airbender creators removing themselves from the live action adaptation of the last airbender we're gonna sound like buffoons talking about this for like the next couple episodes and then eventually we hear the news that they are no longer involved with the netflix adaptation so just bear with us uh enjoy the rest of the show we talk about it eventually thank you yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's why the Avatar duology has made its way there now. Yeah. Because I think Who, Netflix is just going to, like, absorb the rights because Nickelodeon is like, what do we even do with this? We tried to cancel yeah. it five times and we finally succeeded. So. Who, who wants that? I don't know. Yeah, like. My, you know, my theory is that it's a gamble to get the rights away from Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon is clearly just going to sit on them if they had them. Mm-hmm. And so this is like the sacrificial lamb, you know? Okay. But maybe I mean, maybe can't... it could be good. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine if they just stick to the basic story of the franchise, you know? It'll, it's, it'll just be weird retreading things that we've already seen. And I'm not sure this inherently works in live action. Um, mm-hmm. But we haven't seen anything out of it yet but yeah it's just i I, i'm just like a little worried because it feels like if just to bring it back to our franchise talk at the beginning one thing i'm worried about is that it feels like all franchises are kind of like in a weird reverting stage where they all like tried to grow a little bit and then faced such backlash sometimes deserved sometimes not and now it feels like every franchise is going to be just like, well, how about we just tell the same story over and over again? And I, you know, you want to be cynical and be like, well, that won't work, but it's worked for the MCU. <laughs> Where about all those films are basically the same movie. We've done such a good job of avoiding that topic of conversation for so long. And now hey, you come I'm sorry, in, just, into my house, into my place of peace. I'm just saying, it's like a weird... And it's, again, we're like, I've said, like, you know, as much as I don't like Prometheus and Covenant, like, at least they're kind of trying something different. And I feel like all the wrong lessons will be learned where it's like, well, no, we gotta just make Aliens Part 2. Which seems to be, like, the push everyone, not Ridley Scott, keeps making. Yeah, God bless you, you doddering old fool. Doddering old fool, Ridley Scott. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, it's, you know, and with Star Wars, we're kind of seeing the same thing where it's like they want to turn this whole thing where the marketing will tell you what the movie's going to be, and then the movie validates your feelings. 
and that's that's what movies seem to be turning into right now. It's a little uh, a little concerning. You know, let me let me just take a step back here. I think part of the reason why Avatar: The Last Airbender was such like an instant hit with audiences was because it didn't validate anyone's feelings. It it told its own story and and made people explore feelings that maybe they didn't really consider about um, classic stories like this. Because, you know, the structure of Avatar The Last Airbender, the three seasons, it is like the structure of the Star Wars trilogy, right? It's the yeah. It's the very simple hero's journey, but they color it in with more than just good versus evil and stuff like that. Like, they took the best lessons from Star Wars and did something wholly new with it. Yeah, but there's a big difference when you're starting out because, like, when you know, when Avatar: Last Airbender premieres, you have no expectations for it. You don't know what it's going to be. You watch it. You're either into it or you're not. And for whatever reason, a lot of people are into it. And I think it is for the reasons you're saying. But it, you know, and it has nothing to do with like, there's you know, there's a million million stories. You know, hero with a thousand faces, all that monomyth bullshit, <laughs> and. Like, so, you know, you sit down, you watch it, and you like it, but I think it's that thing where when a, if, if a franchise tries to grow, you know, you have to grow, you have to change, you have to challenge yourself, and I think people show up to later installments going with, with an expectation, and then when they don't get it, they blame the franchise for not delivering on those expectations. I can't Which imagine you- what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, but I'm, I don't even need this as like an example. That's like literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems to be the story that just keeps happening over and over again. And then the, the problem becomes also that the money pushers behind this stuff is like, well, it made people unhappy and we want them to keep buying our products. So how do we make them happy? And then they try to make them happy and then no one's happy because – you can't please everyone, and if your goal is to make certain people happy, it's not going to work out. The lesson is that when, when that starts happening, if you're a franchise, you just have to ride it out. Because you'll eventually, they'll eventually fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. That's just what happens. Yeah. I mean, like, the and, Star Wars prequels have been kind of having, like, this renaissance a lot online, yeah. especially for our generation, you know? Like... At first, it was funny because of, like, memes, right? But now there's, like, a very sincere, like, reclamation of those films for people that really have an attachment to them because they saw them when they were younger or they were really attached to, like, the ideas or the journeys that those movies go on. And so, I don't know. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. They just need to power through it, you know? Well, I think the perfect example is, like, Star Trek The Next Generation – which when it premiered it was like fuck you like everyone hated it so much because it wasn't the original crew you know Mm -hmm. and like the idea of like not doing it with like kirk and spock was like sacrilege and i'm not saying those first few seasons of tng are, are perfect they are very much not but they didn't suddenly like. There's that. I was. There's a great documentary about those first few seasons, and I think the producer who took over in the second season proposed the idea of killing off the entire crew of the Next Generation, Holy fuck. and then bringing in a new crew that would replace them. 
Because he's like, these these people clearly aren't, like, all the contracts are up, and he's like, and clearly people aren't liking these characters, so we should just get rid of them. And they didn't do that, and they wrote it out. And eventually, you know, now TNG is as popular as the original series. <laughs> and I think you see that with every Star Trek series, even ones that, like, aren't perfect. Like, even Enterprise has its fan base. I'm not even making a joke here, does it? <laughs> It really does. It really does. Okay, okay. I, I haven't and seen it, but that's that's cool to know. By fan base, I mean I know one person that really defends it. I know people that like the last season. I don't know if I'd call them fans of it. But well, that's, it's that weird thing. Yeah. It went for like four seasons, right? Yeah, and the last like, one, they, they knew that was it, so they're like, let's just do whatever the fuck we want. And yeah. then that works until like the last episode, which mm-hmm. is notorious yeah, episode for is like trash. being a disaster. <laughs> But uh, the last, I would say the last two seasons of Enterprise, like the third season, they really find their footing. And then unfortunately, the fourth season was just the end. But uh, yeah, and I I think there are some good episodes if you're willing to jump around. I think it's just like the disparity between the good Enterprise episodes and the bad ones are like the biggest in the whole series. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's like I would get into it. Like I, I sat down to finally watch like all the Star Treks like a few years back. And I would like be getting into Enterprise and be like, wow, that was a good episode. I'm looking forward to the next one. And then you put it on, and it would be that fucking theme song. Oh, yeah. And it just, like, it puts you in the worst mood. <laughs> it's like, that's the only time I will use the Netflix skip intro feature. Uh, I, I would still power I... through it just because, like, I'm so against the, the Netflix skip intro thing. But I see what I know, you're saying. It's so I bad. I hate it, but... It's like that's like it, every time it puts you in like the worst mood ever, and then like every episode, it's like, all right, win me back, <laughs> like, <laughs> which isn't fair, but it's like you know, it's been a long road, <laughs> like it's the fucking worst. Oh, two thousand five! What a simple time you were. Yeah, Star Trek had a real difficult time adapting to post nine eleven America. I got it in. You did there, it. There. Ring, ring the bell. Ring the bell. <laughs> Oh my god, 2004 slash 2005 when Enterprise ended is also when Avatar The Last Airbender began, so there we go, bringing it it back at the 13 minute mark. And George Takai is in this episode. Oh, he is, that's right, he's the prison warden. (laughs) He's the prison warden, and he's great. Oh, he's terrific, yeah. This this whole series, I would say, um, I think one thing, we'll get into it more with Legend of Korra, is that there's a little, like, too much celebrity voices going on in that one. Mm-hmm. But this is one where you'll be watching it and you'll be like, that voice sounds familiar. And you'll look it up and be like, holy shit, it's that guy. Yeah, we didn't even talk about it, but Admiral Zhao, I did not know this until I rewatched it like a month ago when it first hit Netflix. That's Jason Isaacs. I know. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, like, that is so cool. <laughs> I know, it's really crazy. Do you know who else is in uh, this? Do you know what other famous actor is in this? Of the next five episodes, I mean? Uh, probably, but off the top of my head, I, I don't remember. We'll get to it when we get to the spirit world. But anyway, Imprisoned. Okay. It's a good episode. <laughs> Take a guess Sorry. what this episode's about. Although, I, I gotta be honest, I remember this episode coming up. I remembered... That they're in a prison. I remember George Takai being, um, uh, main like doing one of the voices in it. 
And for some reason in my mind, this kind of this episode stuck around as maybe like you know we talked about last episode like a filler episode. It kind of felt like a bit of a circular episode where oh they end up in prison and then by the end they get out. Mm-hmm. But rewatching it, there was a lot more to it than I uh, remembered. Well, this is the. Is it safe to say this is the first like big Katara episode where she's her, her dynamic isn't just related to Sokka and Aang, right? Like she's the, kind of the first character that gets to um, break out of the trio dynamic and really have her own story, and they're the ones that support her. Well, arguably, this is her story as much as Aang's. Yeah, I mean, Aang has like the bigger journeys but she you know we start off with her and she is the narrator essentially no oh, yeah yeah that's uh, right Every so episode. i think like a lot of the episodes they kind of it kind of feels like she's like she's almost like i don't know if this works maybe she, she's either mad max and ang is furiosa <laughs> or you could probably reverse it and it would still work but yeah yeah i, I mean she she's in as many episodes as he is there's yeah. no episode where they're apart also or at least like not for like lack of screen time yeah yeah there's like there's only like a couple stretches where all the characters end up separated yeah um but yeah i would say this is one where she definitely takes center stage and that she's usually she's planning things and making decisions uh and i want to give a shout out to avatar because i completely never like realized this when i first watched it of course but like it's not an overt thing, but there are as many, like, romantic pairings for Katara, if not more, than Sokka. <laughs> like, I-, I know Haru, the-, the earthbending character that they come across here, who Katara goes to save when she also gets imprisoned and, and the whole journey of the episode begins. Um, it- it's not, like, a a, a thing but um, there's a joke about it later where a character says, like, Katara did – they knew that Katara had a secret thing with Haru, and it's, everyone's like, what? But I, did you kind of get the vibe that there might have been something there? Or is that just me remembering that joke and kind of projecting? Um, I mean, maybe a little bit. But there's also, like, this is uh, five episodes, and I think there are at least two pairings that Katara goes through. <laughs> The, okay, so it's not stretch. it's not just me, right? Um, I guess I've never been good at shipping characters. No, no, like not not even from like a, I, I want them to end up together place. Just like I'm remembering more and more of like season one Katara stuff, and it's like, oh yeah, she does get paired up with like characters that may or may not have an interest in her, and then in later seasons, there's bigger stuff, obviously. But like even then, I'm like, oh wow, like. This is this kind of does lead credence to the whole like this is also as much Katara's story as it is Aang's. Yeah. <laughs> Not that romance is the only like driving factor for like a protagonist, but you know what I mean? Like there's a lot going on there and she's a fully realized like young girl who has as much agency in her romance as she does like in defining her own like adventure and journey. Mm-hmm. And romance ends up being a big cornerstone of this series. I think that maybe doesn't come ahead until the final few episodes of the first season. Mm-hmm. But it certainly becomes an overarching thing. Yeah, uh, definitely. 
but yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I think part of it is that one thing I really like about this show is that there's so much just wordless animation where they let the visuals tell the story, which seems to be something that like every network and studio pushes back against like really hard. So like a lot of it is like you just have to read the emotions on characters' faces. And I That's... think that allows for more bonds between characters that maybe aren't explicit, but like there's some subtext to. That's so funny that you mentioned that. So Roger Deakins has a podcast, and I shouldn't recommend it because, quite frankly, it's like the best thing I've ever listened to because oh, yeah. it's Roger Deakins and his wife having a podcast. Um, but anyways, they, they talk with a lot of other filmmakers and like people in the industry that they've worked with, and they got their whole little team, right? And a big part of their discussions with all the animation people that they have on because their team has been very, like, involved with a lot of DreamWorks productions lately, right? And they're working mm. on a Pixar thing. And the big, like, point of confrontation they always bring up is the wordless animation and, like, removing light sources. Because with animation, you're like, well, you're animating it. You want to see it. We're spending money on it. We need it to be, like, constantly happening in front of the audience as often as possible. And because they're, like, smart filmmakers, the Deacons, they're like, no, it's not always, like, what you need to do. Like, sometimes less is more. Sometimes the story speaks for itself once you, like, watching it and hearing it and, like, engaged with it. You don't always need something verbally or audibly happening to the audience for yeah. it to tell the story. And so, well, I think uh, yeah. Well, I think it's something that, I mean, Avatar is kind of like, there's always that debate about, which I think maybe no one has anymore, but there used to be that debate about whether or not The Last Airbender was quote-unquote anime. Oh, yeah. Because it is definitely heavily inspired by uh, Japanese media um, and Japanese animation, but I think it's also as inspired as, like, Japanese films, and I think, like, the master of just, like, wordless scenes was, like, Kurosawa, where mm -hmm. you could let, you know, weather and... Tell, like tell the emotions of a scene and in a show where people are literally bending the elements around them <laughs> I think maybe lifting some elements from that guy probably help a lot uh, but I gotta I have a question how does Deacon's podcast compare uh, to the other recently launched uh, Russo Brothers Pizza Film School podcast I haven't listened <laughs> Don't feel like I'm missing out if I'm being honest. Which one? Which one do you think's getting more views? Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't say something like that. They apparently had Josh Brolin on recently to talk about No Country for Old Men, and Mark did... Hamill to talk about Empire Strikes Back. Of course they did. I've... Yeah, of course sure they he's... did. I'm sure he's excited to talk about that more. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to talk about like the opposite I know, I know I know and I don't even hate those guys it's just like you know yeah like that's like a that's like a McDonald's hamburger yeah you, you know and what then, to their credit I rewatched The Winter Soldier I still like that movie a lot I'll never watch anything else they, they, they do like ever again but I, that one I, I thought was Still held up pretty good. I would like to see, because uh, they have like an original thing coming soon. I would like to at least check it out. Um, yeah, I think that's like going to be were... the litmus test for yeah. them. I feel like there was a Winter Soldier works because they had less 
like boxes to hit than their other films. Mm-hmm. And they were, I mean, to give them credit, they were pretty good at jumping through the insane hoops that the MCU required them to jump through. Like, better than most people probably would be, but that still, like, didn't make the films good. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Um, but the Deacons podcast is great, and yep. anything you listen to after that, except for this one, of course, becomes, like, marginally less interesting. So just, uh, just <laughs> all right, that. that's a you know, well, I mean, I think that will be a good podcast to listen to, and then come back to this and realize how much of how big of frauds we are. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it it is like it it is such a sincere like podcast and very informative. Like it's like every episode is like an hour long masterclass, and then you're like, oh yeah, no one else understands anything ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, and, and prisons are really this good. Isn't, this isn't the Roger Deakins <laughs> podcast. This no. is the Avatar, the Last Airbender podcast. Legend of the Last Retrospective. Because I want sure, to... I will not remember that. It's a legend. Uh, it's not that hard. I just wanted to show respects to Cora because Cora doesn't get enough respect. You know what? I didn't relate to at all from this episode uh, today was uh, secret police coming in and arresting people. <laughs> Yeah, no, this this show hits differently in 2020. Um, I gotta be honest, I, I will say, it definitely hits differently now, but this is the best idea we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> because it is a highlight of my day watching the, sh- the show again. No, honestly, um, I, I've i been very open about how much I've ever watched this show. I know I'm gonna watch it like a dozen more times over the course of this retrospective alone. Just because right it is very politically like charged, but also it it just makes me happy. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the fire. No, I mean, the, the fire, fire nation, nation is is obviously like the stand-in for like it, just imperial nations. Like it's not yeah. subtle. It's it's the point of the show. You know. Well, I mean, I think they're the most like explicitly Japanese influenced uh, civilization. You know. Um, yeah. A lot of the a lot of the uh, different nations on the show are inspired by different um, Asian nations, but they're ex- more explicitly Japanese, and you can kind of see it as like Imperial Japan era. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look up, I mean, look up like you know ships from the the Russo Japanese War era, and they they look a lot like Fire Nation ships. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely. Uh, there's definitely some imperialism overtones to this. Uh, and you get why there's uh, there's kind of been like this weird retreat in the show where, especially over the course of these two episodes, where bending has been outlawed in Fire Nation-occupied areas. And uh, that's why some people just consider that sort of stuff just magic as opposed to like an actual just common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm kind of contrasting it with later when we get the core, but I will I'll save that for that talk. Um, you also get the weird uh, I don't know what the term would be because um, it's not racism, but almost like eugenics e talk um, coming from Takai's character where he talks about how the like earth bending is like a filthy art. Oh yeah. Fight- Firebending is like true and real and natural. I I would say that yeah, eugenics are like at least like the ultimate form of bigotry. So I'd yeah, eugenics is probably right. 
Well, I mean, it's all, it's like a perfect example of like any imperialist nation will make up bullshit to like enforce their ideology. Mm. I mean, it's skull shape, you know, it's like all that nonsense yeah. of like, oh, the perfect skull shape for the Aryan man versus the other, other groups. And it's here, it's like, there's, you know, the only difference between the different bendings is like what element they manipulate, but they're essentially the same thing. You know? Yeah, like, at, at their core, it's, it is still just being in tune with, like, their own identity and their place in the world. Like, that's the, that's the whole yeah. thing about, like, balancing the elements and, like, the Avatar is a, an important reminder for people about that. And, well, it's yeah, also no, like, it, it's it, pretty astounding stuff for a show like like this. And it shows why the Avatar being gone for 100 years has really, like, put up these walls between the different groups because he's, like, the force that brings the different elements together and they quote unquote live in harmony and the fire nation has exploited this lack of unity to enforce like their dominance yes sorry I yeah, sorry I, I don't know I, I thought i had more too but i apparently didn't oh, okay uh, getting herself captured is pretty funny oh yeah yeah uh earth bending style and then of what course think- you get the the wonderful little momo Moment. Yeah, they think Momo is doing the earth bending. Which is, <laughs> um, which I is love funny. Momo. I, I, I know Appa's everyone's favorite, and I get that. Not to take anything away from Appa, who was also great, but I, I just love Momo so much. <laughs> and they're both voiced by D. Bradley Baker, right? Yep. D. Bradley yeah, Baker, the god. That's crazy. Yeah, that dude is like just infinitely talented with voices. <laughs> yeah, that's that's frightening. Yeah. Frankly, it is is a disturbing talent. <laughs> but yeah, they they get to to basically just stage a prison break this episode, and I don't know what it is, but I always uh, with, with adventure type shows or like genre stuff, the the prison break stories I noticed at least for live action tend to come later in the series. Yeah. Uh, but no, this is episode six, and this is right off the bat. Like the Flash waited for like season four to do a prison arc, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's the Flash. It's not like they were, like, holding on to any more good ideas with that point anyways. Sorry. Um, but, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that, I did not remember this one coming this early, honestly. So that you know, was uh, a pleasant surprise. It was, too. And I almost thought, like, that's why I kind of was, like, I didn't really remember much of this episode. Like, I thought maybe it was, like, a more throwaway one. But there's, there's a lot of, like, you know, meat going on here. And it's usually because prison arcs and prison episodes, I kind of always feel like we're moving a lot of different pieces around. We have to keep certain characters in one area for a long stretch, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can like, you can do a lot with it. You can do a lot with a prison story, but it almost feels like kind of grounding. Um, it, can, it can ground stories to a halt if you don't do it right. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I don't hate The Dark Knight Rises, but that movie definitely has a pacing problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, part I, of I, it... I love Dark Knight Rises, but I agree the pacing is very odd in that yeah. film in particular. And it's like, oh, he's in a hole for most of it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, whatever. Uh, and it's in, it's it's interesting to see. Um, when they get into this prison and it's full of Earthbenders, and they're all kind of just like they've all given up. You know, it's like, again, like more evidence that this war has just been going on forever. 
Mm-hmm. And you're like, look, we can't really plan an escape. Like, all we can do is just keep everyone comfortable and hope it ends one day. Which uh, definitely rings weird right now. <laughs> oh, boy, does it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but also, just in, in context of the Avatar universe, that um, each of these episodes are, like, designed to showcase, like, a different aspect of the world and, like, the way society's kind of, like, falling apart because of the Hundred Year War, you know? Yeah. And, like, the, the fact that these are all people from different villages in the prison, too, kind of makes it more terrifying that it's not just a Haru's village that they're kind of going to liberate at the end of this, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that there's a lot of work to be done, and the Avatar can only do so much of it. It really is about, like, you know, like, the, the whole idea about the bending isn't just, like, that the Avatar has to save the world. It's that he has to save, like, people and and spread that message so everyone can play a part in... in bringing balance back, you know? He has to restore hope. Yeah. Which is Katara's favorite catchphrase and a great meme. The spark that lights the flame for the new rebellion. As long as you don't fuck that that up in the next movie. Oh. Well, anyways, that was a good episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's good. You know, they break out. It's, it's, It's fun. It's a nice little... Prison big. It's also like that good thing of like, like one thing that's been crazy about recently is you know like when you're a kid and you like ask a question about like why something's fucked up in the world, mm-hmm. and then your parents just go, well that's just how it is, and then like you go, oh, but then you just like sit with like it doesn't sit right with you for a long time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you start as your generation starts to grow and accumulate some standing you realize oh we can actually fight to change that thing people say can't be changed mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then i don't know maybe breed some tensions with the older generations because then you're kind of looking at them being like what the fuck were you doing uh-huh <laughs> turns out we could have just done this like a like fucking 30 years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> yep who's for thought <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's kind of what is embodied in Qatar with kind of her, like, almost, like, naivete, which is, you know, sometimes that ends poorly for her, but also sometimes it helps. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't even call it, um, like, full-on naivete. It's it, it really is just a show that, like, you have to believe in something and be willing to to lose a couple fights because they're fights worth fighting for, you know. Even mm-hmm. if other people tell you no, which she gets a lot. <laughs> like her, that's like her whole like arc in the first season. Everyone telling her no a lot of the time. So let's move on to chapter seven: the spirit world. Well, technically, the Winter Solstice Part One. Now, this is weird because I was reading the titles off of the Wikipedia. But, like, on the episodes on the Blu-ray and on Netflix, I believe, it's Winter Solstice Part 1 and then The Spirit Worlds, like, as a subtitle. And I, I don't know why they, they switch it up. This means nothing. But I just want to know yeah. why they switch it up on the different formats. So. Well, you ultimately just you don't even need 
winter solstice nonsense, but hey. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like if I was writing a show, I would want like as many part one, part two, part threes as possible just because I think that looked kind of cool. I guess. Yeah, like that's, that's what I would do. Uh, you don't need it, but that's what I'd do. Uh, and talk about something th- I didn't remember getting introduced this early was the whole concept of the spirit world. Yeah, yeah. The, the show doles out information like relatively quickly. And I think that's also yeah. why it, like, it does so well with people is that it doesn't hold back its punches with its mm. story. Yeah, it's like they trim the fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, what's that Elmore Leonard quote, RIP, to the king? But uh, he says like he, he writes the stories without the people that – or without the parts that people tend to skip, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, if you've read any of his books, that's kind of true. And sometimes yeah, yeah. you do wish they went on a little longer, but that's okay. He's yeah. still great. You can, get, you can get through his book in a plane ride. That's always nice. Yeah, yeah. No, underrated talent. And yeah, um, yeah. and so this is uh, the first inches of, of the Avatar and Sokka and Katara coming across uh, spirits, of course, but also... Um, where the main conflict isn't just saving a town. It's realizing that, oh, yeah, the the Earth is, like, in pain because of this war. You know, yeah. like, you're seeing the ripple effects, like, which is kind of cool to follow up the imprisoned because you're seeing the, the effects it has on, like, um, lower-class citizens in this world and also, like, the actual world itself. You know, it's, it's, it's um, I don't know, that was really... A sentimental way to open this, I think. It's Koyana Skatsi, Life Out of Balance. I've, I've never seen that. You don't need to. Oh, okay. I've heard <laughs> it's really good. Uh, uh, it was probably good in 1982. The, the Philip Glass music is pretty great. Oh, okay. Is yeah. that like, not to get into a whole thing, but like Jean-Luc Godard? Um, I mean, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Cause, I just uh, think a lot of the yeah. there's a lot of filmmaking techniques that were pioneered by Hoyana uh, Scotsi that have now just become like a regular thing that like every movie uses, oh, especially cool. in montages. Um, it's kind of interesting because it like it's a tone poem. It's also ninety minutes. You'll probably like get something out of it, but I don't think it's like a masterpiece or anything. Mm. But that's just me. Some people worship that shit. All right. Uh, but yeah, and this also this is a little bit uh, was reminding me of uh, Princess Mononoke, the um, Miyazaki film. Oh, big time! W- with the forest because they come across the the forest that has been burned down by the Fire Nation, um, and that has of course created an evil spirit. Because if I uh, I, I don't know enough about uh, like Shinto mythology or anything like that, so I'm probably gonna get a lot wrong. <laughs> But uh, there's there's a part of belief that, like, everything has its own energy, its own spirit. And so, like, if you destroy it, like, that energy has to go somewhere. And that's what can create, like, bad spirits and good spirits. Or in a spirited way, they have to go to a bathhouse to relax every now and then. <laughs> um, so Aang has to deal with uh, this enraged spirit now that his forest has been burned down. Also, the the elder of this village um was voiced by mr takagi from die hard wait what yeah oh i didn't know that yeah i was like that voice sounds familiar and i looked it up and it was him and father of five <laughs> everyone go watch die hard it's 
It's just as good as you've heard. They worked out better for him this time. Oh, <laughs> significantly. Than in Die Hard. <laughs> Uh, and this is also the first conflict the group comes across where uh, they can't punch their way out of it, which is also something that tends to be held off for long-form adventure series. Well, it's so weird. It's, just, it, it's a surprisingly complicated mythology. But again, like, yeah, they dole out the information in, like, the perfect way where, like, they know exactly when to reveal different things because it's like, you know, you're in a world where it's like, all right, there's air bending, there's earth bending, there's fire bending and water bending. And you're like, cool. And it's like, also, there's like this whole spirit realm. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, it almost feels like too much at a minute, but like it does like flow together perfectly. Um, and then travels, like crosses that barrier into the spirit world a little bit. Um, and I believe he doesn't take, does he, he calms the spirit in this episode, right? Yes. Um, yes, but it, but before he does that, he is contacted by, uh, it's not the spirit of Roku, but was, uh, his companion. He wrote a dragon, like how Aang rides Appa. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this dragon takes spirit Aang to, uh, like a temple or fortress in the Fire Nation. And they have to get, they basically have to get there by Winter Solstice. It's like this whole, which is another thing that like now we're building in like, oh, the alignment of the planets and the seasons are also important. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. It could spin out of control really quickly, but they keep it together very well. You know, I, I've talked about how I'm, I've been also rewatching Community recently. And mm-hmm. this isn't out of nowhere. Just, just hear me out. Um... Dude, shows that on. I'm really drawn Dude, to. Before you go into your thing, uh-huh. I am not the person who's going to come at you for going on tangents. <laughs> that's that's you coming at me because I do go on tangents. I, it would be hypocritical of me to be like, what does community have to do with this? <laughs> well, my whole thing with, with TV shows that I like, I'm really drawn to are the ones that can have an overarching story, but also, like, let's say half an hour to an hour long. Um, are good at telling their own contained stories, whether or not they feed into, like, an overarching narrative, you know? Like, I think people forget a lot, like, with how TV's done nowadays, that, um, you know, sometimes it's just nice to have a sub-story in the midst of a larger story, you know? Like, all mm-hmm. the pieces can come into play in a, in, in a way, uh, and Community's really good at that. And Avatar: The Last Airbender is is like phenomenal at that. Like, how many HBO shows? You know, God bless them, with a lot of the great stuff that they have over there. Uh, how many of them just like have episodes that don't really even have like a beginning or an end? They're just kind of like the middle of something. Well, especially you know? now, especially yeah, now like where everything is kind of made for streaming. Yeah, and you know, like everyone like ragged on like the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones, and like I agree. But, like, there were problems in, like, the middle of that series where it's just, like, you're watching stuff and you're like, wait, what happened in that time? <laughs> like, why did we do any of that for 40 minutes? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just it's just a cautionary tale, I guess. It's a, it's a problem I have a lot with a lot of modern television. And it's also, just nice to have structure again. Speaking of, like, stories, like, within stories, like, all these different layers, it's like, think about, like, Avatar Roku, whose spirit we meet in the following episode, which we can probably just, like, segue into. Um, like, he, he has a whole arc on the show. 
and he's dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> like all this shit happened like a hundred. Like now it would be um, over a hundred years ago in the show's time. And but he's got like also this like really complicated, interesting story going on, um, which only is partially revealed in this episode. Yeah. Um, which is I mean, also this is where uh, Zuko comes back in and is chasing him through the blockade. They're also he's also being chased by Zhao or whatever. A lot of a lot of a lot happening here. Yeah, and I mean like Admiral Zhao is not like a super complex villain, but there's there's a lot going on with just like his whole pride factor about like yeah. like he he needs to to be victorious over this teenage banished prince yeah and that's like that that's telling that's very telling for that man you know it's like he's he's commander zhao at this point um and like what is what does that even matter to him (laughs) like why does he need to be victorious over this dude who no one cares about while still chasing the avatar too it speaks to the mentality that must that most fire nation soldiers must have you know, after being instilled for a war they've been at for over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's something that would probably happen. Yeah, uh, and uh, and once they reach the, the the temple in the Fire Nation, because every every nation—the water, earth, air, and fire—each one has a temple for the Avatar to connect with, like the spirit world and their past mm-hmm. lives and stuff like that. That I I really like because it's a reminder that. Um, that all these things should be in balance, right? And when yeah. they get there, that even though most of the Fire Nation uh, people there are, of course, enemies that they have to, like, defeat and, like, fight, there's at least one of them that's there to actively help them. And it's the first instance of, hey, not everyone who's a f- in the Fire Nation is bad. Some people are just struggling to, to kind of figure yeah, things out a- on their own. There's a bigger story going on here, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 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 telling, which again, they don't really go into it a lot. But the fact that the previous uh, Avatar was um, from the Fire Nation, like you can already read a lot into that without knowing enough. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which? Uh, it like it's exciting. Just like the little bits of information that start kind of coming out, even if you don't always see it coming. And this is also the episode where Aang discovers he needs to defeat the Fire Lord before uh, the, the comet arrives. Before we go into that, I want to talk about uh, – I really like the how they, they get around the gate that uh, is, is keeping the uh, – where Aang has to go to communicate with uh, Avatar Roku. Mm-hmm. Um, where they basically have to trick the guys into thinking that they use their firebending, that they found a way to get inside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really creative, I mean, because it just, it rides like this whole thing of like, oh, we can't open it without this help, and then it's like, well, what if we use these explosives, and they're like, that should work, and then it doesn't, but then like, they, they can build on top of it, like, alright, we can trick them, and it's just, it's it's good building on top of each other that I really liked. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, uh Ryder Sheen Black also has has a lot of notes about stuff like that, where... You know, like, uh, let's say in the script, a guy's falling out of a plane. Oh, no, that's bad. Well, he has a parachute. Okay, that's good. No, 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 there's a hole in the parachute. Oh, that's bad. No, 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 it's okay. He's going to land in the haystack. Okay, that's good. No, the haystack's on fire, right? Like, it's just constantly, mm-hmm. like, reversal payoff, reversal payoff. And 
I think that's also why the Avatar structure of episodes is really good because every episode is filled with stuff like that. Yeah. And that's not easy to do. That's way easier said than done. But it, it leaves it constantly like a joy to revisit and, and to watch. And it goes to show that Sokka's not just a – he's not just like an airhead. He's like actively uh, trying to like become a better like leader and warrior that I really admire. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Yeah, and like you said, this is where we kind of get positioned as the big bad, uh, the Fire Lord. Um, and we're also introduced to this concept that when the, there's a comet that's going to return in like a year, I believe he says. At the end of summer. Yeah. Um, so just under a year. And if it returns, it'll give uh, the Firebenders like immense power and it'll be enough for them. To conquer the world. And of course if they conquer the world. That means the end of the world probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we got like a ticking clock element. Um, which will be. Which will hang over the whole series. Um, for a while. So now it's like alright. Aang really has to start learning all this different bending. Yeah, it adds a, m- a momentum. That the series didn't really have. In the first six episodes. And not that it even needed it. Because you know we're just kind of. Settling into everything, but this is this is where the show kind of really starts taking up um, a couple notches. Yeah, well, now the stakes are so much higher. Mm-hmm. Whereas it was it was it was mainly just like a good versus evil. Like you have to like you'll defeat the Fire Nation eventually, but there's no haste. And now it's like no, you got less than a year. Mm-hmm. Good luck, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and just like cut to like Ang doing like the look what I can do, and just like spinning around those little. Balls in his hands. Is that it for that episode? I like other than like Zuko kind of like being on their trail. And, like he almost catches Aang at one point, and then uh, Roku's spirit is able to take over Aang and like banish all the people, and they escape. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, the, the the temple burns down. Hmm. Um. Oh, you know what? This is something that I I never see really discussed here, but when. Avatar Roku's dragon is flying Aang to the temple. Um, this is when Uncle Iroh is caught by some earthbenders, and he sees the dragon flying Aang. Oh, yeah. That was this episode. Yeah, yeah. And um, we get to see the, the bond between him and Zuko grow a little bit more, and how uh, Iroh is not just an oaf. Yeah. Or also, we, we see that he's like he's a lot smarter than he lets on, but we also get the first piece of information that, you know, oh, well, like, you could logically deduce he is the Fire Lord's brother, of course, but then he's also, like, the, this disgraced general. Mm-hmm. That at one point he was, like, considered, like, really tough, and then now, like, everyone just considers him a loser, which is why he's basically just guarding his nephew. Yeah. And then I think that's it for that episode, but yeah. I, I like that element. Just, uh, Next episode. We didn't stuff. Pa- Next episode, pirates! Yay! We have a bunch of pirates. Pirates of the Caribbean. Good for Jack you. Jack Sparrow. In this one, Kara Knightley. They, they Hans find Zimmer. A, they find a waterbending scroll. Um, and Katara fucking straight up steals it. Katara said, fuck 12. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> hey now. Sorry. Did they ultimately decide stealing is wrong? In this one? Yeah, I think they maybe just decide like, "Hey, give us a heads up if you're gonna steal something." Yeah, I, I think it's 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 up in the air if they're pirates. 
<laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. um, we do start to see, because, uh, you know, like, symbols of, like, traditional authority in, in Avatar up to this point, they're not, like, antagonistic unless they're from the Fire Nation. But as the series goes on, the the rules start getting a little looser because, uh, you know, it, it's clear that just because they're an adult, they're not in the right in the show. Yeah. And also in real life, just for the record. Very much but, so. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they steal this waterbending scroll because now it's like, all right, Aang really has to learn to master the four elements. You might as well start practicing waterbending now, even before we get um, to the the Northern Water Tribe. Yeah. Um, and that was actually something I looked up because I was like, I was a little confused about the path they took. So I, I looked up a map online that like followed their journey. It actually makes sense. Oh, really does it? it? I haven't looked at that because that's a question yeah. I've actually had. Um, I, I don't know if like they retroactively like move things around, but they're literally like traveling right along the border of the Fire Nation and the uh, um, Earth Nation. Oh, I see. Which maybe isn't the smartest way to travel, but it's probably the quickest. So, yeah, I mean they're like what? Ang's twelve, Katara's like thirteen, and Sokka's fourteen. They're they're allowed to be a little dummies. All right. Um, and this is where we get, there's a little bit of tension between, uh, Katara and Aang, because Aang, being the Avatar, is able to master everything, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. And Katara's been, like, struggling her whole life, because she's had no teacher, and had to learn most of it herself. Yes. Alright, I'm not sure, if, not a lot happens here, it's more just like a fun episode of falling in and out of traps. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, I think that's that's something I want to highlight, too. Just um, no episode of Avatar up to this point is really just, like, a fun throwaway thing. There There is always something going on, even if there's not yeah. that much to comment on. That's probably why we can bundle a bunch of these into single recordings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it, it, it's good stuff, and personally, I just like the, the random villains that they get, like, tossed into every once in a while with these stories like i i really like the pirate setups like they all have like individual like designs and personalities too yeah and uh, i think this is the only episode they're in i could be wrong you are wrong but... and oh, okay i will not spoil when they're in it again how how much are they in? Are there only one more one other episode yeah only one more episode they... okay because I, I, I just wouldn't remember that but uh yeah i don't know it's it's very uh um, I don't know where I was going with that. I have I no, know. there was no thought at the end of that. Um, although I know, just bringing me back to my Tumblr days, I remember a lot of people, uh, used to ship Zuko and Katara a lot. I remember seeing oh, a yeah. lot of that. Zutara. Yeah, and they, this is the episode where he, he kidnaps her at one point. So if you like a bad boy out there, <laughs> this, this episode probably, you'll get some points out of that. <laughs> you know, Dante Bosco also wore a Zutara shirt one time. I know. And boy, did Tumblr never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Dante Bosco, who's very good at voicing Zuko. He's very good. <clears throat> and then, yeah, that, that's kind of it. Then they, they just, like, end up escaping. And uh, But there's a, there's a really fun action set piece at the end of this before we move on. Where everyone's just kind of trying to gain one up on each other. Yeah. Where, like... Boats, there's boat chases and shit going down the river and... 
everyone turning on each other and everyone just fighting each other. Yeah, oh, and there's this hilarious bit where Sokka and Aang can't find each other in, like, this dusty fight, and so Aang's like, hang on, and he oh, yeah, separates that's... all the air, and then everyone's pointing knives at him, and then he's like, whoops, and just, like, brings it all back. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I love that. That kills me every time. Um, yeah, and speaking of that scene where with Aang, um, I think this is something where why uh, live action is kind of stacked against this series, because animation allows them to do such, like like, smaller things where... You know, Aang never just gets up from a chair. He, like, always uses his airbending to, like, lift himself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that would be much harder to do in live action. It's also just less visually interesting, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, this show it, has such, like, a bold, specific color palette through, like, each of its uh, parts of the world that it journeys through that you you can do it in live action, but one that's already so expensive, and two, it, you really have to push the hardcore fantasy elements of it to really make it like believable and not just like digital artistry. They, yeah, they should make it look like something like House of Flying Daggers, you know? Oh my god, yeah. Where, where but I feel like it, it's going to end up looking like how every movie after The Dark Knight has like those washed out colors. That like, would. Oh, no. If, if they do that, that would break my heart. Yeah, I, I just feel like, because that's just easier and cheaper. I know. But, I know. Um, maybe. You, ne- you never know. You can always hope. Yeah, I mean, like, if some portions of the world look like that, that would be, like, appropriate, because, you know, 100-year mm-hmm. war and all that. But, like, if that's the look of the show, we're going to have mm-hmm. problems. So Yeah, like, like, just hopefully, like, they get to, like, capitals and stuff. Like, those are at least more colorful, like, bossing say or something like that. Yeah. But we will see how this mm-hmm. is handled. It yeah, would be I mean, great if they if they ended up turning in like a Lord of the Rings caliber adaptation, though. Oh, that would be so cool! Or like it would be Guillermo great. del Toro's mythical never made Hobbit film. Yeah, because that was also going to like implement a lot of like additional digital photography to like make it more fantastical. You know, especially like with the skies, that was going to be a big thing. They were going to like basically sugarcoat the skies with like nebulas at night and stuff like that mm. and i don't know I, I i read about that all the time and it just breaks my fucking heart do you i the only way though is if he he didn't shoot it in high frame rate no, i don't think he was planning to all right good because that yeah. was like the big thing that like fucked that whole series not not to get into a whole hobbit thing because we only have one more episode but like <laughs> it is kind of funny that like there's, like, this whole debate about, like, the Star Wars prequels versus, like, the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings prequels, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, they both push technology forward, and it's like, yeah, but, like, Star Wars did it, like, for the entire medium. Peter Jackson's like, wouldn't it be cool if we just, you know? Star Wars, Star Wars, like, actually, like, brought a bunch of stuff that was, like, implemented everywhere, and the Hobbit is, like, a textbook, like, example of, like, don't do any of the things we did. <laughs> Like, Although, it basically killed high frame rate, like... Yeah, even which, though it, it should have, like, blown up Gemini Man to, like, the billion-dollar hit it deserved to be. Yeah, no, but I think <laughs> Gemini Man is probably a better use of it than... Because, like, the big problem ended up being, like, all the visual effects shots now, like, took double the effort to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that's where they, like, fucked themselves. There's this really sad image. I can't find it anywhere. I think it was on, like, one of the promotional things. 
of because they, they did the high frame rate to help make the 3d look better back when everyone was like 3d is the future mm-hmm. and uh there's an image of like peter jackson with like the giant cameras they had to use and he's sitting in like the director's chair and he's wearing 3d glasses oh like while he's directing the scene it's so weird poor peter jackson and that's like him at the beginning where he's like this is exciting like as opposed to battle of the five armies where he just wants to like die and all the behind the scenes stuff oh i i can't i haven't seen a single behind things behind the scenes thing for that movie because i know it'll just depress me it's a funeral march Aww. It's it's really depressing, and what's worse is that like they totally truncate like all the stuff Guillermo del Toro was working on. Aww. It was like he was here, and then he left, and then you know we had all this stuff that we had done, and then Peter Jackson was like, "I want to start from scratch." Aww. Yeah, a never-ending series of bad ideas. <laughs> That's so sad. It's it's depressing. Yeah. But anyway, let's get to the last episode we have, uh, Jet. Jet, I think this is a fan favorite episode, actually. Um, is it? At least fan favorite character. They like people like Jet. People like, like you said, the bad boy. I guess I never really liked Jet. I like Jet, but not in the way I like Sokka, Ang, Katara. Uh, I I kind of like him the way I like season one Zuko. You know what I mean? Okay. I find him compelling and sad, but he's not like someone I fanboy over, I guess, if that makes any sense too. Yeah. I I, I don't like him like if he was like an actual person. Uh, I find the character compelling, I guess is what I'm saying. Now that you say it, it it totally makes sense that he's a fan favorite. He's got like a tragic backstory. Oh yeah, no, no. When when people say like Avatar anime question mark, this this is like oh yeah, this is anime. Yeah, this is (laughs) um, this. He's also kind of got like this Robin Hood streak to him. But then you know the episode quickly veers into oh yeah, he's a domestic terrorist. Yeah, Robin Hood was a domestic terrorist. (laughs) Yeah, child soldier (laughs) domestic terrorism. That's what this episode Mm -hmm. has to offer. But I, I actually really like the, the, the narrative in the episode, too. And that's like, you know, like, yeah, Jet needs to be stopped and him and his cronies. But, like, it's it's a really sad thing that this is where they feel that they have to go to because of the war, you know? Like, it's – Yeah. It, it, they the, got pushed to this point. It's not like they woke up when they were kids and were like, let's do some domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. Well, this <laughs> episode is, bad. is especially weird today. With, like, what are the limits of fighting back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, although we seem to be having, like, a, we seem to be acting like people are, like, jets right now. Yeah, and that's, like, not when, the case. When they're destroying public property but aren't hurting people. Yeah. Whereas Jet wanted to flood an entire town full of women and children. Yeah, so yeah like, it's a difference, it's, difference. Uh, there's a big difference. But I was just thinking, brought this up, about him being a domestic terrorist Robin Hood. <laughs> um, especially stuff that definitely plays weird today. Uh, you know that whole story behind Ridley Scott's Robin Hood? Uh, I actually don't. I just remember being very bored. It's a bad movie. It's terrible. But it started as a script called Nottingham, and it was told from the perspective of the Sheriff of Nottingham. And huh. it's this 
weird shift that kind of happened that like I think was a little subtler and I think we're only now starting to like really evaluate it where stories about crime and like murderers like I mean you can see this all the way from like Zodiac to like the Highwaymen to like uh, the original script for that Robin Hood film where it's like all right now we're going to tell the story from the law perspective and I mean Zodiac is almost like you know a horror slasher film but told from the perspective of detectives and cops and reporters a little bit and like Mindhunter is that too where it's like we get that you know you get to have the creepy killer element but it's also from the perspective of detectives and that was the original script for the Robin Hood Nottingham and then really Scott came on board and he's like I want to do Robin Hood <laughs> Then why would and you join it, the project? I know, I know. It was, and it's, it was like Nottingham is like considered like this great script. Like the, allegedly, this script was like amazing. So like it kept getting, but they couldn't find anyone to do it. And then really, Scott wanted to do it. But he's like, I want to do Robin Hood. So then they tried to rewrite it, where the sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood were the same person. Like they did this weird rewrite where like the sh- the sheriff. Like, that's why Robin Hood's not getting caught, because he's covering up his tracks. And then Ridley Scott was like, no, I don't even want to do that. I just want to do <laughs> Robin Hood. And I also have a bunch of bullshit about the Magna Carta I want to put into it. He's like a and genuine yeah. crazy person. Yeah. I I love him. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but, yeah. He was knighted. I know. Sir Ridley Scott. <laughs> What a king. He's a, he's an interesting fellow. Hey, you know what? When it works, it works. Yeah. Or when it doesn't work, it's the counselor, which is amazing. No, the counselor is when it it swings back into working, and anyone who doesn't get that movie doesn't understand art. Yeah, but when I, but when I say it like doesn't work, I mean like it works in a way that was not intended by anyone making it. <laughs> it. It might be intended by Cormac McCarthy, but that's a whole other discussion. Well, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, holy shit. On Ridley Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. But maybe we gotta do a Ridley Scott thing one of these days, unfortunately. I, You know what? I think The Duelist is kind of underrated. There's just, there's just like huge swaths of his career where it's like, Jesus. Like, I, I know, I know. Where it's like even even me, mirror. who's like Alien Covenant, Prometheus, there's like yeah. that 2000 stretch, and I'm like, mm. Mm, maybe it's not worth it. Well, there's like there's always like the people who are like, we want you to do Gladiator again, and he does Kingdom of Heaven, which rules. Yeah, but then he does shit like Gods of Egypt, which is just trash. No, no, he he no no no, there that was oh. Exodus. He did Exodus, Gods and Kings. Who gives a shit? Gods of Egypt was done by Alex Proyas, everyone's yeah, favorite did, Facebook critic. Yeah, the guy who did Dark City and then lost it on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> you remember like, Roger? Do you remember Roger Ebert like went to bat for like Dark City so hard? No, actually, I know <laughs> I went Ebert. to bat for Dark City. <laughs> Roger Ebert gave like this glowing review of Dark City, and then. For, like, the next, like, few years, anytime you reviewed a movie, he'd be like, it's trying to do what Dark City did, but failing entirely. <laughs> it doesn't capture the majesty of Dark City. 
Like, to the point where he gave a very negative review. Like, I wouldn't say very negative. He gave a negative review of the first Matrix movie. He was not a fan of it. And in it, he's talking about, like, I prefer Dark City. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I miss you, Ebert. And another thing is that I can't remember what the movie... Who's that, that Armand White? Remember him? Oh, everyone's favorite. Yeah. Um, he was a huge defender of uh, Spielberg's AI. And you can find all these reviews from around that time. Because I went down this Armand White like rabbit hole a few years back. So sorry. And he would review a movie... And he'd be like, this movie's trash, and it's not like AI. And then the review would just be about AI. <laughs> like, I know people like him for shit posts, but, like, no. No, he sucks. He really sucks. Yeah. He, like, writes, he writes for the National Review now. He really sucks. Yeah, yeah, come on, guys. But, hey, what are you gonna do? Anyways. He's... he's He's Jet. No. Roger Roger Ebert's Aang. No, no. I think it is an important discussion to have about, like, um, how media has, has kind of told these stories about, like, how, how far is too far. You know, like, I liked that Jessica Jones Netflix series, but then the last season devolves when it, like, kind of becomes, like, Jessica – spoiler alert for Jessica Jones, I guess. Uh, I know no one watched that last season except for me and, like, two other people anyways. But, like mm. – uh, her her friend Hellcat, which she finally becomes Hellcat, but then she kills like the previous antagonist of the season, who's a serial killer. And then the final like episode has to be like, ah, to stop my friend who killed a killer. So she's just as bad as her as like as the other killer. Yeah, and it's like that's not the same thing at all. <laughs> I I blame Batman, uh, but <laughs> I, I, <laughs> well, I, everyone's I trying to do the Batman thing. Like it works with Batman, but it doesn't work with anyone else. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, it's this thing where I think it works a little better here because it's really like, hey, Jet, yeah, we should, uh, we should stick it to the Fire Nation, but we should probably draw the line at beating up old men. And like, and then like, even then you could be like, all right, maybe in the moment shit just got a little out of hand and we don't know. He's still Fire Nation, but then we really draw the line at flooding a town full of men, women, and children. <laughs> yeah. Because... All civilians. Yeah, because then there's that image after, like, they um, blow up the dam, uh, like, where the doll is floating down the river. And before yeah. it reveals that the town survived, that's a pretty strong image. I know. That was nuts. I totally forgot that. Um, but, yeah, but I think the problem is that what it has become in this neoliberal hell we live in <laughs> is that the idea that, like, if you even move in that direction – you're just as bad as, like, the ultimate end result. Like, you know, if you go, hey, we should stop the Fire Nation, and then it's, like, some asshole's like, oh, are you so you're saying we should kill Fire Nation babies? Yeah, I know. And it's like, saying. no, no, like, I, I, I have a problem with the Fire Nation. Yeah. Or, you know? you know, like, when someone, like, criticizes Joe Biden, they're like, well, then why don't you go, like, vote for Trump and suck his toes? And then you're like, whoa, yeah, like, wait. No, hey. Yeah. And, well, I mean, and it's also, like, it's the thing that, like, racists really latch on to where you're like, white supremacy is bad, and they're like, oh, are you saying all white people are bad? And it's like, dude, no, but, like, fucking get a grip, like. <laughs> like, you're trying to have a conversation about a very real subject, and they, they pull, like, the ultimate strongman argument, like, in 180 degrees away from the point you're trying to make, you know? Yeah. 
Well, I think it's just we. I think again. Sorry, I didn't. I did not plan this, but to bring no, no, back nine eleven. Yeah, yeah, I figured. I, I think we've. It's really made us fearful of like radicalism in any form. Like it doesn't even have to matter what the radical, like what people are being radicalized by, you know. Mm-hmm. Or even like you know, radicalization just means like, oh, I'm gonna go to a protest, <laughs> like, <laughs> which like now that's considered like a radical act, but. It, like you know, we we equate everything with it's like oh if you get radicalized, the only way this can end is with terrorism. And it's like no, <laughs> it's like that's not how that works. And I also think that's part of our nation's just failure to really grapple with why nine eleven happened. Mm-hmm. Like we've we've been so like. With like Bush, Bush even like you know only using like really racist dog whistles against Muslim communities, but he mainly was like you know, Islam it, it's a it's a religion of peace. What 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 Al Qaeda hates is our freedom. Like that remember that was like the whole thing for a while. Yeah, and even that's still like no, dude. What? It's like that's not even close <laughs> to what's happening. And I mean, and it, it's all—it's on both sides. Where it's also like the atheists, you know, kind of go like, "Oh, the problem here is religion." And it's like, I—I I think if you get rid of religion, it's not going to get rid of terrorism. Yeah. Like you know, that's it might be a little cynical to suggest that, but I don't. You know, that's the religion is just like what was used to justify it. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty, and we've learned recently that you can use plenty of stupid fucking things, like QAnon or something, to justify any ridiculous act you're doing. And what? that's why, kids, you don't flood a town full of children. <laughs> yeah, basically, if if you harm a child, I I think you give up the right to your life. Like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where the line is drawn for like humanity. I think like if you heard well, a kid again, like that, that's it. You're, you're, you're dead. And again, that brings us back. Remember like in the fucking debates last year, they were like, would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler? <laughs> like that was an actual question. <laughs> and it's like, dude, that's not why Hitler happened. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's how we think of things. And I think like, I, I feel the ground shifting. I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, not, that's not true. The ground is shifting huge. The problem is that enough people are like digging their heels in and are being like, nope, it's everything is fine. <laughs> as the like ocean just rises around them. <laughs> and like they're trying to like drag us with them. And like that's what's happening right now. Well, if they acknowledge but... that the ocean is rising, then the stock market goes sad and the Dow go down. I punch my numbers into my calculator and it makes a happy face. Yeah. (laughs) And right now, the problems in the world are trying to get me to acknowledge that it would make a sad face. But as long (laughs) as people die, smiley face happen because money comes to people. I was raised my whole life to believe that the stock market is good, everything else is good. And literally everything happening out my window right now shows that to be wrong. (laughs) But I can't acknowledge that. I mean, just like, I know people don't want to see movies about this era of human history, but like in 50 years, I bet you could actually make a good one because how fucking perfect and awful, perfectly awful, mind you, is the situation where it's like, hey, 
nationalism and capitalism are literally like suffocating humanity. Yeah. We should change the way things are. And other people are like, no, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. You know how a bunch of people watched Chernobyl and were like, the problem was communism. <laughs> oh, okay, and, the same thing would happen there. <laughs> yeah, well, no, what I'm saying is, like, I don't want any Trump movies, but I, I think that there is something into evaluating exactly why the corona thing spun out of control in this country. Yeah. There you go. I, 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 movies about this period, I think, would be okay. Trump could be mm-hmm. a part of them, but he cannot be, like, the focal point of them. I feel like that's going to be the problem where, like, the next four years, if Trump is defeated and things kind of right themselves for a little bit, it's going to be – we're going to dogpile everything onto him and his administration. Mm-hmm. And, like, that'll be a problem. But – I mean, because we kind of did the same thing with Bush. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, now it's come back around, and now we're like, actually, Bush is cool. Like, Yeah, if you're if you're trying to be cool with Bush, I think you should get socked in the mouth. Yeah, you're really wrong on that one, buddy. Yeah. I mean... That 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 is Lord. just like, you're a moron. If you say that. I, I want you to understand that. And you don't have to be. Just don't say it. Well, I mean, literally what we found out is that it's like, literally... Uh, Trump just started hurting people that we actually give a fuck about, which are white people. (laughs) (laughs) White, straight people, because, you know, Reagan let the AIDS crisis happen, but no one gave a fuck about the gay community for a while. But then once it started affecting non-gay people, everyone was like, it's a crisis. (laughs) It was the horrible history of this country. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, like, the white majority is finally, like, starting to crack. Yeah, I mean, like, the fact that protests are still happening, like, over 50 days in is very depressing, but also, like... No, that makes me very happy. No, I mean, like, it's sad that we've gotten to the point where it's a necessity is my sadness for it, right? But it's great that it's not slowing down. Yeah, I think my my alternate take is that I believe that it kind of... I believe what's happening now, other than maybe arson... (laughs) I feel like that should be the natural state of this country at all times. <laughs> like, we should always be as angry as we are right now. Because, <laughs> like, that's France. France gets, like, it's like France would be like, we're getting rid of three vacation days. And then they, like, blow up, like, a government building. <laughs> like, <laughs> where it's here, it's like, hey, maybe don't kill people. And, like, that's the thing that's, like, freaked everyone out. <laughs> Like, or like, uh, I, I, I like this. This is the one quote from Trump I'll ever say I actively like, where he's like, mm. you know, police are killing more white people too, and everyone's like, oh, so you agree the police are killing people? And that's a problem. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like my favorite one where he was like, this. I mean, he's t- talking about the fucking wall, <laughs> and he's like, there's just there's gonna be a great wall. There's gonna be no way to get over the wall. What are they gonna do? They can't go around. I mean, maybe a ladder. Like, it's like, dude, it's like right there. You just casually threw out a thing that undercuts your whole argument. And yeah, uh, this this is a fucking, and again, it's like the other thing that's happened recently is that like, oh, like there's already like six executive orders in place that are stopping statues from being torn down. (laughs) And it's like, hey. What about coronavirus? <laughs> like, <laughs> all the nurses are going broke. Like, what the fuck, dude? 
Well, you know, if the statues don't get torn down anymore, there's nothing against blowing them up. I'm just kidding to the government yeah. agent listening to this and combing yeah, through this are... from the FBI. But that would be I funny, hope... though. You think if the agent that's listening to this was like, I got to check uh, Avatar Last Airbender for subversive messages. <laughs> and then he, so he has to watch it. But then he's like, oh, maybe I am on the wrong side. Is that too much to hope for? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But I, I do think some people can be changed. You know, like, there's those reports. We should really get back to The Last Airbender. But first, there were, like, reports of, like, police officers, like, turning in their stuff and being like, I can't be part of this anymore. Mm-hmm. When this all started going down, that's kind of cool, you know? I mean, it well, was, also like, that... on mass, but that's kind of Well, there's neat. that other thing of, like, they've gotten so much overtime from the recent shit that now they can qualify for, like, huge pensions. So a lot of them are retiring right now. Oh, yeah, that too. I mean, it's it's. I think most of the good cops were run out years ago. I mean, like the, you know, Serpico, Frank Serpico, still gets like death threats from the New York yeah, got, Police Department. He got shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> like that's fucking crazy. Yeah, and that was a thing that just happened, and we all moved on. <laughs> uh, what are you gonna do? Except get out in the streets and start protesting. Yeah, there you go. That's the, that's the one true lesson you should take away from this show, among the many others. I really can't go out because of my immune system being all fucked up, but I'm kind of at a point where it's like, if it's if like if more starts happening with like the homeland security stuff, I'm gonna like have to go out. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the moment where it's like, I, like fuck it, like <laughs> that is the moment. So get the fuck out there. Yeah, it's fucking. Let's, let's do some stuff that I can't say. Yeah, let's just say the definite line is blowing up a dam to flood a town full of children. Yeah, please don't kill children. Like, if yeah, you don't do, do I think you should die. I think it's pretty safe to say that that is bad. Yes. Everything else we can debate off mic. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yep. Uh, anyway, so, so Katara... Uh, was swooning over Jet, but then she sees that Jet was actually like a really broken, damaged, angry human being who was lashing out to hurt innocent people, and so she couldn't stand that. And Aang didn't want to fight him, but Katara is the one that beats him. And it's well, so Sokka is also kind of the hero of this. One. Yes, yes, he is. And again, because like it's an interesting arc for him as a warrior, because his arc in this isn't to like gain victory by beating Jet physically. He saves a town full of people. Yeah, you know. And I mean, like, yeah, along the way, there there are Fire Nation soldiers that get saved, but I, I think it's a it's a valid point to say like there are far more innocent lives that were saved. So like, it's I, I don't know if you're if you're saving innocent lives along the way, I, I think that's that that's a good point to to kind of fall back on. Yes. And uh, yeah, so he 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 wins by not fighting by by saving, and so that's cool, and. Uh, this is the first instance of Katara being, like, actively kind of, like, hit back by um, her optimism, I think, uh, you were bringing up earlier. You know, like, her, her naivete kind of leads her to pain sometimes. Well, we started the, this uh, this episode talking about an episode where it works in her favor, and this is one where it, it kind of it comes back to bite her in the ass, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. This, this is a good format. Enti- it's entirely coincidental, though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is, but it just goes to show, like, 
the evolution of the characters' stories in this. Like it, it's constantly mm-hmm. moving forward in an interesting way, and sometimes there's no uh, there's no easy answer, you know. Because at this point, because Jet does return, like like many people know, um, but at this point, he's like he's not someone that they could kind of talk down, so they just kind of have to leave him mm-hmm. frozen to a tree. <laughs> it's, I mean, like you know, it's 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 in the middle of like. The, uh, a warm forest so it'll melt he'll survive but like you know they've done what they've can and it's kind of even though they save people it's still kind of a sad ending you know yeah i don't know it's just it's great great episodes yeah shows shows great i'm excited to be i was so excited i accidentally watched one more episode than we were supposed to yep and so the next five episodes we'll be talking about are the great divide the storm the blue spirit the Fortune Teller, and Bato of the Water Tribe. I think people have some opinions about the Great Divide, which we will get into. Uh, but, Matt, where can the people find you? Um, I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And you can find me that's, at the Diego Crespo <laughs> and check out the Waffle Press on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can get more of these episodes early along with the first season of happy amblin and a bunch of other cool stuff too uh i, I don't know more more stuff will be coming out this, this is going up in like a month so i don't know you'll, you'll you'll see more stuff there there's stuff there yeah that's it so this has been avatar legend of the last retrospective which is not actually our last retrospective but uh thanks for listening thanks for well, watching depends depends on where the country goes in the next couple weeks oh yeah that's true or one of us could like die from like coronavirus there's there's a lot going yeah, that, on. that would that would not be great that would be very disappointing and depressing yeah yeah i like living i i i, I want the world to know i died full of anger and cursing everyone <laughs> i mean that's how i want to go just just want that out there all right so thanks for listening thanks for watching we have been professionally unprofessional <laughs>